0: Welcome to the Big Sky Astrology Podcast with April Elliot Kent and me, producer and co-host Jen Brown. Hey, friends! Jen here. Today is March twenty second, twenty twenty one, and here with me, as always, is my friend, who's one doggone good astrologer, April Elliot Kent. Hi, April. Woof. <laughs> Well, thank you for that lovely introduction,
1: Jen. Yes, and I suspect I know where you're going with that introduction, too. Did it have anything to do with one of the national days that we wanted to recognize for this week? Yes, yes, it did. Tell us about it. Well, it's National Puppy Day Yay! on March 23rd. <laughs> I know we talk about cats so much on the show, and I've got to give a little shout out to your wonderful doggies. Dogs deserve equal time. That's what I say, they really do. So Jack and Bear, I'm sending them hugs and scratches and milk bones on March 23rd for National Puppy Day. That's perfect, yeah. Because I know they're grown
0: up, but they'll always be puppies to you. Well, we didn't know Bear as a puppy Mm. because we got him a little later in life. And in fact, Bear is the fifth dog that we've had. We've only had two puppies together of the five dogs. So Jack Mm. was a puppy and our old dog, Robin, was a puppy. She was a Border Collie mix.
1: Puppies. And
0: she was featured on some of the artwork that you did for one episode.
1: That's right, she was. Which I'll link in the show notes. Yeah, Eat More Crunchy (laughs) Things, episode six
0: or something, I think. She played Saturn, the Border Collie police officer, I believe. (laughs) She
1: did, too. That
0: was that episode.
1: Well, we salute her this week as part of National Puppy Day. Thank you. And I have not had a dog of my own. Growing up on the farm, we always had a dog,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: my mother was a big dog person. So we always we had a variety of cockapoos and collies, Aww, and
0: nice. in one
1: memorable instance, a full-grown Saint Bernard. Oh wow, that's awesome! Yeah, I love big dogs. He was very big and a really, really lovely dog. And of course, the name Bernard makes me think of our listener Bernard. Oh, shout out to Bernard. The color mage. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out to Bernard, who we will say sent us really beautiful gifts of a particular divination deck that he
0: has devised that has to do with color. We'll link it in the show notes. Sure, we will. And thank you, Bernard. Because it was so sweet of him, yeah. You just emailed me this morning and told me that it was on its way, mm-hmm. so I look forward to getting it.
1: Yeah. i got mine and been playing with it, and it's great fun. How did we get there from, from the puppy days? Oh, the Bernard. Okay, the same Bernard. Yeah. Yes. And, of course, now it is officially... It is spring. By now, our donors <laughs> should have received an email from us with a link to access the special Equinox episode for the Aries Equinox. If you have not received it and you've donated $5 or more to the podcast, go ahead and check your spam folder. And if you don't find it there, shoot me an email, april at and I'll get you sorted out.
0: Sounds perfect. Well, this is a new week, though. And what do we have first up on our list, Jen? First up, we have Mercury squaring Mars on March 23rd at 8.26 p.m. Pacific Time. Mercury is at 11 degrees, 45 minutes Pisces, and Mars is at the same degree of Gemini. A square often means conflict and tension. April, is that how we would read this? Sure. Mercury is about the things
1: that we say or the information that is coming in. A square is a bit of a contentious aspect, and Mars is the planet we associate with conflict. So better than average chance this week, especially around the 23rd, of having to set the record straight with the people in our lives, shall we say, and that sometimes that can tend to get a little bit heated. Both of the Sabian symbols associated with this square give the same kind of messaging. The Sabian symbol for Mercury is 12 Pisces, an examination of initiates. And Sabian's symbol for Mars is 12 Gemini, a slave girl demands her rights of her mistress. That one very specifically is about standing up for what you feel you're entitled to and standing up for your rights. So that's very clear. That's the Mars degree. The Mercury degree an examination of initiates, that's sort of about submitting to examination by people who know more. And then the other one, the slave girl demanding her rights, is about asserting ourselves to those who are in a superior position. Both of them are about standing up for ourselves. And Mercury and Pisces can really temper that Mars in Gemini if we let it, so that the sum effect is assertiveness rather than aggression. Because aggression is the extreme manifestation of Mercury in difficult aspect to Mars, especially since it rules Mars in Gemini, because it's the ruler of Gemini. So let ourselves be ruled by empathy and compassion and gentleness. When we feel tempted to really go after somebody, we have to really make a conscious effort to change direction and know that we can look out for ourselves and for our interests without having to completely demolish somebody else in the process.
0: That makes me think of the Gemini quality also that you have talked about on and off as well around how communication is more than just speaking out, it's about listening. Mm -hmm. And so the symbol for 12 Pisces and examination of initiates makes me think about ritual and how an initiate is someone that's listening and taking in information perhaps and, of course, the slave girl demanding her rights is about speaking out. So maybe there is some tension there between listening and speaking out. Mm-hmm. I think that's a really good catch and a really good way to put it. Obviously, in communication, we have to have both. Right. We
1: have to be able to listen and we have to be able to speak up for what's important. Mm-hmm. And there's no getting away from that. As much as we like to avoid tension in relationships, especially, there comes a time when you just don't have the choice something that has to be said, even if it's something difficult. Yeah. Now, Mercury is also square the lunar nodes this week, and that's the very next day on March 24th at 10.50 p.m. Pacific time. And Mercury is then what we call, it's at the bendings. It's at the halfway point between the lunar nodes, and it is moving conversation, communication, and these things away from the south node, from Sagittarius, the certainty that we know everything we need to know and we don't need to listen, and more towards the direction of Gemini's inquisitiveness, curiosity, and willingness to listen. I like the North Node, the Sabian symbol for it at the square, a conversation by telepathy. I like that too. It's tempting, though, sometimes, especially with Mercury and Pisces, it's tempting to think we don't have to actually have the conversation because we're so much on the same wavelength with the other person. Yeah, And I think we've talked about this before, that it's important to know that, well, we're not really sure we do know what the other person's thinking or what they need to hear from us or what they are hearing from us, which could be quite different from what we think we said. So I think those two days with Mercury square Mars on the 23rd, square the lunar nodes of the 24th. It's kind of a turning point in communications with others.
0: So a Mercury-heavy couple of days. It's Mercury everywhere you turn. Mm -hmm. And I think it's interesting that Mercury is in between the North Node and the South Node at that point in Pisces, because the symbol of Pisces is two fish swimming in opposite directions. Mm -hmm. And here's the North Node and South Node, both in opposite directions, and Mercury in the middle. All right. Look at you. That's very clever. (laughs) you so much.
1: Well, and we have a choice. We can go either direction. Yeah, And, you know, Mercury being in Pisces as well, even though Mercury is about rational thought Mm -hmm. and perception, in Pisces it works a little bit differently than that. And it is intuitive. And to some extent there is a telepathy going on sometimes with the people that we're really close to. just don't rely on it. And that's what the square says. The square says, yeah, use, use your intuition as an opening into a conversation, but still have the conversation. Don't just rely on telepathy to get you
0: there. Awesome. Well, enough with Mercury. What do we have next? Let's talk about Venus. Venus is coming up to join the sun on March 25th at 1158 p.m. Pacific time She is making a superior conjunction to the sun, which means she's on the opposite side of the sun from the earth than we are. This is happening at 5 degrees 50 minutes of Aries. And just a reminder for folks, there are 60 minutes in a degree, so that's very nearly 6 degrees Aries. What should folks know about this? It's a really important point in
1: Venus's cycle. Venus is at the part of the cycle right now where she's said to be in the underworld because she's invisible in the sky. And that's been since late February or so, because she's been moving so closely to the sun. And if you've heard the last couple of episodes of the podcast, we are tending to combine the sun's aspects with Venus's aspects for the week, because they're moving so close together, they're making aspects of the same planets, like within a day of each other. Because she is moving so close to the sun, her light is drowned out by the sun's light. And at night, she's not visible in the sky at all. This conjunction between the Sun and Venus marks the part of the cycle when Venus is getting ready to transition, in this case, from a morning star to an evening star. So when she returns to the evening sky, which is going to be Oh, late April, or so more so as we get into May. Mm-hmm. She appears first as very faint at the western horizon at dusk. So the sun is just set. You can just see Venus there. And then very bright at that point between May 24th and then through December 31st. What happens is over the course of an eight-year cycle, the points where Venus makes a conjunction to the Sun produces a five-pointed star pattern in the heavens. So if you look at every one of those conjunctions and you plot it around the chart and you mark the point where the Sun and Venus have come together, it makes this beautiful five-pointed star. These are called the Venus star points. The last Venus star point was on June 3rd, 2020, just last summer. It was at 13 degrees and 35 minutes of Gemini. And this is when we were having that long Venus retrograde in Gemini. Very interestingly, this week's Mercury aspects to Mars and the North Node that we just talked about also occur around that last Venus star point. So they might be pointing us back to relationship issues too that we encountered back last June.
0: In fact, I looked up the episode, and it was episode 28, Eclipses and Nodes, Why Be Mean When You Can Be True, which we can link in the show notes. But you're absolutely right that, interestingly, Venus and the Sun came together at 14 Gemini, a conversation by telepathy. Mm-hmm. And we talked about it being conversations of the heart, perhaps. Yeah. So, yeah, that's really interesting that it all ties together. hmm It's all
1: coming back around. Mm-hmm. When Venus makes a conjunction to the Sun when she's retrograde, we know that Venus is the morning star, and then when the direct conjunctions happen, this is when Venus is becoming the evening star. So the Venus star point prior to your birth, and we'll link in the show notes a list I think that Ariel Gutman has on her site. She specializes in the Venus star point, wrote a book about it. The Venus star point prior to your birth, some astrologers feel, really symbolize your best self, your Venusian self, and how you connect with other people it can be a really interesting point to look at in synastry with other people that you know in particular, or when something hits that star point by transit or progression, you can have some significant development
0: happen around relationships. So it's kind of a fun point to play with. Do you want to say anything about what an evening star versus morning star means in your birth chart? We just know that
1: if Venus is at a degree earlier than the Sun in your chart, like it's in the previous sign or something, that's when it's the morning star. And if it's after your Sun, that's when it's the evening star. And I guess just from a practical point of view, if Venus is in the sign before your Sun, it gets aspects from transits first. So you lead with your Venus. You experience it first from either a relational standpoint or, like I have Venus in Cancer, my son's in Leo. If any transit is going around the chart, it gets to Cancer before it gets to Leo. Sure, that makes sense. So it first activates Venus and then the Sun. If it's the other way around, then you lead with the Sun in terms of consciousness and understanding the transit. But the other way it's Venus. It's like, well, what does this have to do with my relationships? with my feelings of self-confidence, with financial matters that are of importance to me, my ethics and my values. Otherwise, with the sun, if the aspects are getting to the sun first, it's like, well, how is this challenging or enhancing my ability to get myself recognized in the world? So I guess the sun is more me-focused, Venus is more we-focused if we want to put it that way. And maybe you could interpret it that way in a chart, too. I don't know. I wonder if Ariel talks about it in her book.
0: We'll link it in the show notes. Sure we will. (laughs) And just a reminder for beginners, if you're looking at your birth chart, which is a circle, all of the planets move counterclockwise,
1: other than the lunar nodes or retrograde planets, which like to break the
0: rules and go the opposite direction. Yes. Thank you for clarifying. Very good point. Okay. What do we have up next, pal? Next up, we have Mars conjunct the North Node on March 26th at 8.35 a.m. Pacific Time at 13 degrees, 14 minutes of Gemini. It's happening on that very same Sabian symbol, April 14, Gemini, a conversation by telepathy. What should folks know about this?
1: Mars is reaching the North Node for the first time since June of 2019. And it was at the South Node... Roughly this time last year in late February of 2020, that's when we were all like fledglings getting kicked out of the nest, except we were actually getting kicked into the nest because we were going into lockdown. And now it's like we're getting to the point where we are full-fledged birds, you know, maybe ready to leave the nest a little bit. So I really like this Sabian symbol because it really evokes the twin quality of Gemini. Hopefully, at this conjunction, we have people around us that are so attuned to us that we hardly have to speak. But again, we have to have the conversations. And we can have the confidence that those conversations are moving us in the right direction. They're moving us in the positive direction, the north node direction. The whole week is sort of this Mercury with Mars, both of them with the south nodes. And the whole week is really dominated by that story. It's a story of communicating, of asserting ourselves, of making sure that we're pointed the right way on our path, that we're going forward instead of backwards. Boy, I don't know about, you I'm sure seeing that with people here where I live with regard to the lockdown, the pandemic and stuff, a lot of that's, you know, the people getting vaccinated and how that's changing the way they're looking at their situation and a great desire to be moving forward, to be getting past all this. and and all of that. And I think there's a little bit of impatience to that too, which is understandable. But there's a different kind of tension coming up in the conversations now about who is able to get vaccinated, who isn't, who is or isn't for a variety of other reasons, what that means for who's going to be able to get together and all of these things. Mm -hmm. It's a week for those kinds of conversations, I think. And it'll be really interesting to see what it all looks like. Excellent. Jen, do you know what time it is? What time is it? Moonwatch! Moonwatch! Play it! (laughs) 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 Yes, my friends, it's Moonwatch. And this week we have a Libra full moon on March 28th at 11.48 a.m., 8 degrees and 18 minutes of Libra. But first... This Moonwatch segment is brought to you by our newest non imaginary sponsor, Shelly Crow. So, Shelly Crow, she's a yoga teacher, but she also teaches yoga teachers. And she teaches yoga teachers to find more peace and work life balance in the practice of the business of teaching yoga. And I was telling you before how much I could really relate to the stuff that she does, because, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm an astrologer. I've been an astrologer for a lot of years. We're drawn to this work because we want to help people, because we're curious about people. We like to have those heartfelt, soulful conversations. And it's difficult, especially in the beginning, for a lot of us to reconcile that with the nuts and bolts of having a business, the financial aspects of it. The workload of it can be very demanding emotionally. And Shelly, I think as a teacher herself since 2008 and an educator of new yoga teacher since 2015, she knows firsthand the struggles of making a living in a spiritual profession. She went through a period of burnout in her business and had to heal her relationship with money. And in doing all of that, she realized that her desire to do the work that she loves,
0: as well as to support herself, were not mutually exclusive. It can be hard turning a hobby into a business. Mm -hmm. And so that's really great that she was able to learn from that, work through it, and come out on the other side stronger. Well, there's the spiritual
1: dimension of yoga to astrology to a lot of these kinds of businesses that can make you feel in a way that it's a really bad thing to be charging money for it or that brings up a lot of issues around money. And also just about boundaries of all kinds, because without the right kinds of boundaries in doing spiritual work, you do get burned out. You get really exhausted and you take on people's energy and people's problems to a great extent. Shelly provides really high-quality professional mentorship for other yoga teachers who want to achieve more balance and a more sustainable business. If you're unsure about how to share your love of teaching yoga with others, if you're a yoga teacher, in a balanced and sustainable way, if you struggle to earn a fair income teaching yoga
0: or if you love your career as a yoga teacher, but you suffer from burnout and compassion fatigue, which can be really common, mm-hmm. this might be a good option for you. If you're overwhelmed by the privilege and responsibility of teaching yoga in the modern Western world, Shelly Crow might be able to help you out. Visit ShellyCrow.com to schedule a complimentary yoga
1: teacher breakthrough call and begin your joyful yoga teaching career. You can also connect with Shelly on Facebook at And
0: on Instagram, at Shelly underscore Crow. And just a note, Shelly is spelled S-H-E-L-L-I-E, and Crow is C-R-O-W.
1: Oh, thank you. Of course. We also want to mention to people that if you're interested in sponsoring the podcast, sometimes we have openings to sponsor the Moonwatch segment, which people really like, or even before or after the show. Get in touch with us. We'd love to talk to you and see if it's a good fit. Yeah, for sure. Just shoot me an email, aprilabigskyastrology.com.
0: We would love to chat. Well, so back to this Moonwatch segment already in progress. We are at the point of a Libra full moon this week, April, March 28th at 1148 a.m. at 8 degrees and 18 minutes of Libra. What should folks know about this?
1: Well, this full moon is in a way a response to the March 13th new moon in Pisces. It's also a bit of a response to the new moon in Libra back on October 16th, 2020. Full moon is an illumination point. It says, oh, now I see what it was that I started then. And on a small scale, it is the most recent new moon with a more long-term view. It would be going back to that Libra new moon last fall and also seeing some things that we were getting underway then. This particular full moon belongs to a lunar phase family, which we've talked about before, and we shout out again to our listener and friend Celeste. Absolutely. Astrology by Celeste, who hipped us to the whole lunar phase. They also call it the lunar gestation cycle. This full moon was initiated with a new moon on September 28, 2019, with a new moon at 5 degrees and 20 minutes of Libra. This is the revelation point where we begin to see the fruits of what was planted at that time. We also reached a critical action point in that cycle back in June of 2020. So there's June of 2020 again. We were talking about that before. And then the last quarter of this phase family will be at the end of this year, right after Christmas. This full moon is connecting by opposition, of course, with the sun, which means it's also opposing Venus because they are hand in hand at this time. They are on the Sabian symbol, a crystal gazer. And then there's this beautiful grand air trine with the moon trine, both Mars in the North Node and Saturn. And I like the Sabian symbol for that one, three old masters hanging in an art gallery. And that made me think very much of that grand trine, you know, moon, Mars, and Saturn as the three masters that are hanging in the gallery.
0: Nice, nice connection.
1: Relationships can be at a shifting point now because we are seeing them a lot more clearly than we have before. That's the nature of the opposition from the moon to the sun with Venus. And it also takes us to that Sabin symbol, a crystal gazer is looking into a crystal ball, but just seeing things really clearly in a way we haven't before. Whereas the grand trine, grand trines can make us a little too comfortable to take action. So I would say don't leave intuition and action and boundaries, you know, the moon, Mars, and Saturn hanging on a gallery wall. Access what is in your gut and initiate a plan at this full moon, because now you have a much better picture of what's really coming to fruition from the very exciting Aries seeds that you have planted earlier in these three different cycles.
0: I like that a lot. Do you want to say anything else about the Grand Trine, specifically in air, how that translates?
1: It can be the same message that we've gotten all week. With that Sabian symbol about telepathy, uh huh, yeah. Because a grand trine and air again can be first of all, it's really easy to talk about things and then never actually do them. That is one thing that can happen with an air sign. Because if you have a grand trine, it's like a closed system. If you just picture air that's going round and round and round in a very pleasant way, but again, you know, you're moving the air around and you're talking about doing a lot of things but then you have to have something that is going to really propel you forward. And even with Mars involved in this, it may be hard to break out of that cycle of taking it easy. That's why I think the opposition here is so important, is because it at least does give us some kind of perspective to say, what more do we need to do?
0: Sure. And I guess that Grand Trine actually forms a kite with the Sun and Venus.
1: Yeah, so the way that works is, You know, it's easy for us to visualize because we're looking at the chart here. Right, yeah. But the Sun and Venus are together, and the Sun and Venus are sextile Mars on one side and sextile Saturn on the other side, and then the Sun-Venus oppose the Moon. So if you just kind of trace the outline of those aspects together, it does kind of look like a kite. Which is cool. (laughs) Yeah, it is kind of cool. I mean, it's kite season, right? It's March, and a good time to be flying kites. Let's go fly a kite. (laughs) Yes. I think the idea of that probably is the point of the kite. It's like the moon is where we're holding on to the string.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And it's how we're controlling the narrative of this. And then up at the top are all of these factors that are kind of working in a complementary way to each other. It is nice to have sextiles instead of just trines for those air sign planets. So the sun and Venus with Mars. We're going to talk a little more about that next week as Venus and the Sun are connecting with Mars. Exactly. But we're already starting to feel that. And Sun and Venus with Saturn can be good for, well, here's an opportunity to actually do something or create a plan that will move you forward and higher into the stratosphere and the clouds as kites do or whatever. (laughs) Anything else you think about kites, these are called chart patterns. Mm -hmm. I don't work with them a lot, but this is a pretty classic one. I've just
0: heard that kites fly you in and out of opportunities. I like that. The opportunities would be the sextile part. Yeah, so if an opportunity comes along this week, maybe pay attention to it. Absolutely. I do have some thoughts about these Sabian symbols. Share them. On the face of it, the Sabian symbol for nine Libra, three old masters hanging in an art gallery, speaks to me about age and beauty and value, which is a real Venus word. You know, they're hanging in this art gallery, which speaks to value. I like that there are three of them. The number three is typically associated with unity, harmony, wholeness, and it makes me think of mind, body, spirit. Mm -hmm. It's interesting to me that the degree itself is nine Libra. Nine is a multiple of three, and there are three old masters hanging on the wall. And nine is a symbol of completeness. It's typically thought of as an energetic conclusion, at least in tarot it is. Mm -hmm. And opposite over at nine Aries is that crystal gazer which speaks to me about projecting out into the future. Mm -hmm. Okay, so putting all of this together, I like what you said about making a plan because there's something here about in front of your nose is something that's beautiful and valuable and already whole. And you can take that and gaze into the future and bring it into completion and make that plan. So to me, it really comes down to the question of what do you want? Because you have to know what you want if you're going to go after it. Mm -hmm. I mean, that may seem kind of silly, but I think so often we can just spend so much of our days going through the motions instead of stopping and really thinking about, where do I want to be in a month, in a year, in five years, in 10 years? Mm -hmm. So maybe project out into the future a little bit Uh, and think about that. I like that very much.
1: You know, I think the three old masters in the gallery, too, is sort of a nod to tradition. Yeah. You know? Mm -hmm. It's not modern art. It's not experimental art. It's three old masters. It's what is tried and true. And I think that within each of us, we have the ability to, as you say, kind of locate what we want, what's important. And it's based on our values, our unchanging values, the three old masters. And then to use that always with oppositions, we want to use one end of the opposition to propel us towards the other end or to at least meet it halfway. As you say, it's kind of like that process, too, of finding the happy in between, between living in the future and living in the past. Mm -hmm. And what we're looking for ideally is, well, this is where I am right now. And sometimes it's really, it can be hard to decide what we want to do. Because there are so many opportunities. We're seeing that right now with a lot of air sign planets, opportunities and big ideas and thoughts. And that's great, but it can be hard to choose among them. And that's what that grand trine in the full moon chart sort of said to me. It's hard to make a decision. You go spinning around and around with the ideas. But by being anchored in, take three things that you know to be true about yourself and about what really anchors you in the world. And I think that you will find within those the answer to the thing that you really want to invest in, put some energy in, and project that out into the future. As you say, say, wow, if I really get going with this, we're going to be six months from now when we have another new moon in Libra, for example, or at the last quarter point of this phase family, which is around Christmas time. How can you balance it all? Yeah, how do you balance it all and find... What's true for you right now, that's the guiding principle, because you don't know what you're going to be like in five years from now. You can have a vision of what you'd like it to look like, but you know who you are right now, so focus on that. Yeah. Good thoughts, pal. Thanks. I think that is
0: everything on our show sheet for this week. Have we done it? We've done it. And only six weeks until episode 80. I know, it's coming. We're already making our little list of 80 songs
1: that are meaningful, and we cannot wait to share them with each other and with all of you. Absolutely. Well, thanks for listening to the Big Sky Astrology Podcast. If you like what you're hearing, be sure to subscribe or follow, depending on what platform you are listening to this in. Leave us a rating or a review. We hope that you'll help us spread the word by telling a friend. You can read show notes and full transcripts and leave your comments about each episode at our
0: website, BigSkyAstroPod.com. We're so grateful to everyone who showed support during our Podathon last fall. Each week, of course, we always thank some of you by name. Who do we have this week, Pal? This week we want to give a Big Sky Astrology Podcast shout-out to Pernell
1: Brune, Sharon Hanton, and Hilary Stifler. Yay! Yay! Oh, Purnell, Sharon, and Hillary, we do not know you, but we appreciate you. We thank you so much for listening to our podcast and for supporting us, especially during our
0: podathon last September. Yes, thank you so much to all three of you. If you're a listener who didn't get a chance to support us during our podathon, you can always make a contribution at our website, bigskyastropod.com. If you donate $5 or more, we'll invite you to our special episodes for the equinoxes and solstices. And of course, we just had an equinox episode come out last week. And we will send that
1: to you. Yes. If you donate now, I'll make sure I get you the link to that episode. Will you also give them the link to the bingo card? You betcha I will. (laughs) They're going to want it. They're going to need it. They're going to have fun with that. Perfect. (laughs) All right. Well, that is it for us this week. Join us again bright and early next Monday. And until then, keep your feet on the ground. And your eyes on the stars.